Welcome to day 134 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with Matthew Kresge and Katie Kresge, continuing our journey through uh, 2 Corinthians. Uh, First and 2 Corinthians are probably the harder books that Paul has written to follow because he's reacting to problems in the church. It's like you're hearing one side of the conversation. Uh, They've written him a letter and said, we're struggling with this. He writes his answer. We're not exactly sure what they're struggling with, but we know that it has been difficult. Paul's established this church. Uh, they quickly run into problems. They write him a letter. He writes them another letter, 1 Corinthians. He follows it up with a visit in person that does not go well. Then he writes a second letter, which he calls the tearful letter, not the one that we call 2 Corinthians. Uh, but he writes another letter that's been lost to history, a tearful letter. And then uh, things begin to turn. Uh, Titus uh, is present with them, and they begin to turn back in their affection toward Paul. And so he writes 2 Corinthians to both finish the reconciliation process in preparation for another visit and to finally challenge you know, the last of his distractors. And right in the middle of that, we have a nice little section on the collection for the poor in Jerusalem. So we continue in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Before we do so, we always uh, offer ourselves to the Lord and offer the moment to the Lord because it's an opportunity uh, not just to learn more about Paul and the history of the early church, but to find ourselves deeply engaged with God and to be transformed by His Word. So, Katie, before we start, would you lift us up in prayer? Sure. Father, we offer this moment to You, um, and we place ourselves before You knowing that you are good and that um, you have given us your word um, and you've revealed yourself to us in your son. Um, And so we thank you for loving us so much that you would do that. Um, And would you open our hearts, open our minds to hear what you have to teach us today in the letter of 2 Corinthians. Um, Would we be open to hearing what you have for us? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Second Corinthians four and five. Some of the richest <coughs> writing, you know, that Paul has done, uh, very encouraging all the way through. <coughs> Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we, <clears throat> for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, 
because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that the earthly tent we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead of with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan, and we are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us his spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore we are always confident, and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our minds, as some say, it is for God. If we're in the right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. A rich, warm section. You can hear Paul's apologetic heartbeat uh, you know, in, in the middle of that. Uh, apologizing, you know, or apologetic for the suffering that's taking place. And many in the Gentile world are wondering, how can you possibly be in God's will and still suffer? An apologetic, you know, for the uh, love that he has for them. And, of course, an apologetic for the cross and the way that he conducts his ministry. So there's some fun sections in this. What sticks out, Matthew? I, I really appreciate just how he begins the section. You know, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry. And then he goes on to, to show it's not a ministry that, that one looks at and says, man, I, I want that. But instead, it's a ministry that's full of, of of God's power and God's strength in the midst of Paul and you know his companion's weakness. He says that, um, he keeps going, he says, we have this treasure, and this treasure being you know the glory of the gospel you know revealed in the face of Christ. 
Um, he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. And I love how he just keeps saying, you know, here's the, the weakness, you know, here's the the things we're facing, here's the, we're perplexed, but not in despair. You know, he does those but no, those are fantastic. pointing us back to, yeah. it's God who is sustaining them. And so they've received this ministry, you know, through the mercy of God. But they're also sustained in this ministry through God's right. grace and mercy. And, and you need to remember through Second Corinthians, Paul is comparing his ministry to uh, the ministry yeah. of the so-called super apostles, uh, who are living well, who are you know uh, traveling from town to town and almost a celebrity status. And, and Paul instead is enduring you know a lot of hardship. Matter of fact, you're going to hear it this week. We'll talk about it over and over again. And finally, in chapter 11, he gives this description of the hardship he's faced, and it just blows us out of the water and of course here in this passage he says it's just momentary and light Mm -hmm. but when we see what he endured it was far more than momentary and light uh, unless of course you have eternal perspective whatever we might endure and however difficult it may be so when you're looking at paul's ministry it's not one of those you're saying boy i'd really love to have a ministry like that Mm -hmm. Uh, you're absolutely right uh, about that but he said it's one we've received through god's mercy Mm -hmm. and because of that because it is God's gift to us and God's call in our life, we face all of this hardship without losing heart. Yeah. And that's a good message. And know. it's actually the very yeah. ministry we want. You know, it, I mean, looking at it from maybe a worldly perspective or uh, a place of comfort, it's not the ministry we want. But looking at it from a, a place of, yeah, spiritual, like what yeah. God is doing in and through Paul and what he, what he desires to do in and through his church, mm-hmm. this is the exact ministry we want. Of yeah. course, the best place for us to be is always where God has called us to be. Yeah. And the best circumstances for us to be in are the circumstances that God has placed them in, even though they're um, many times not you know ideal from a worldly point of view. But of course, he's challenging the worldly point of view, you know, throughout. You know, the idea, you know, the, the, of the prosperity of gospel. You know that that. Uh, you know, if we're walking with God, everything will go right for us, and we'll be, you know, enriched, you know, materially and uh, spiritually as well. Mm-hmm. And, and Paul is saying, not necessarily so, but our deepest riches are, are knowing Christ and in uh, living for Him. Mm-hmm. We were laughing about it a little bit. I guess we weren't really laughing about it a little bit. We were considering, you know, those phrases I carry around in my body, you know, the death of Christ, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, the hardship, you know, that he was facing and how starkly, you know, he talks about it mm-hmm. so that the life of Christ may be revealed in me yeah. and you get the other side of the gospel. Verse 16 is and following is just so good and we hold on to it as we um, face suffering in our lives, as we even just as we age. Um, I know my mom has quoted this so many times, um, referring to just aging and how hard it can be. But um, let me read it because it's so uh, good. For those of you watching, you notice she keeps looking out the corner of her eye and me as she talks about aging. <laughs> um, Fulfilling but prophecy. Anyway, yeah. I'm noticing a few gray hairs over there and kind of those little crow's feet at the corner and stuff oh, like that as well. Oh, there's definitely more so. wrinkles um, after having kids. But yeah, verse 16, it says, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Of course, you mentioned that part that um, seen with a, a bigger spiritual perspective. Um, yeah, our momentary troubles are feel very heavy for us in the moment, but when we step back, we we see that compared to the glory He has um, for us in the future, it's nothing. But yeah, just knowing that, I, I think as I read that, just on a personal level. Um, 
it's it's very easy for me to um, put too much value in in my appearance and too much value in um, even just like to be honest, like my weight and um, just how I look. So that's been a struggle for me my entire life. And um, to read this and just to be um, convicted by the spirit about where I'm placing my value um, and then also just encourage that if I'm placing my value in him, then aging and injury and this and that won't um, be so, um, what's the word, just overwhelming. Um, it won't, it won't destroy me. Does that make sense? And, um, if my value is in those things, <laughs> then, sure. and, and it often is, then, um, then I'm w- so weighed down and so burdened by my aging, my appearance mm. dwindling, you know, that, yeah. um, that mm. it's just too much. How it's, incredible would it be if we I had as much care for our spiritual well-being as we do our outward appearance yeah. in, in so many ways. And, of course, that's something, you know, that, uh, you know, God reminded Samuel when he was anointing a king for Israel. He said, you're going to have a certain way of looking for a king, but it's not the way that I look for a king. Mm-hmm. You look for the outward appearance. Uh, I look at the heart. And, the, and that's what Paul is talking about. He's talking about judging based on what is in the heart rather than on the appearance of success and all the trappings of, you know, uh, popularity and uh, other things. So there's so much, you know, that's included in this. Mm-hmm. And Paul says, uh, you know, the struggles we're having are doing something deep in us that uh, will make a difference for eternity. And he said, that's why we fix our eyes on what's not seen. Yeah. yeah he says, we, for we live by faith, not by sight. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and even thinking, you know, moving into chapter 5, he says, for we know that if And we must earth move into tent, chapter yeah, five with only we one and a half minutes time. left. Yeah. For we know that if, if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. You know, meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with the, the heavenly dwelling. You know, that we long for this, this earth, earthly body to, to no, you know, be no longer. Mm-hmm. And, and instead, to, I love what he says. You know, sh- he says, um, Therefore, we must always be confident and know that as long as we're at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say. And I would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a day that is coming where God will set all things right, you know, in, including the the things we feel, you know, mm-hmm. just the groanings that we feel yeah. in ourselves, that, that there's a day new creation is coming. And that's what he launches into, this ministry that he's yeah. been given in and, the body of death. And many times we're more, you know, we're more attached to this world and the things of this world that we say, no, I, I want to stay here. Mm-hmm. Paul was more attached, you know, to, you know, God's promises. He said, no, I want to realize those in their fullness, and uh, and that's a you know a beautiful picture of where our longing and where our hope you know should yeah. be. Our hope shouldn't be in the things of this world, but in what God has in store for us. And of course, he describes you know the ministry of reconciliation as we have six seconds left, which is. Uh, verse 14 for Christ's love compels us because we convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again and of course it's our union in Christ we share in his death mm-hmm. he died the death he died to sin once for all and we died with him so that we have died to sin yeah. once for all as Paul would later say in Romans 
and the purpose, you know, of his his death for us, and the purpose of even it was describing the future. Hope God designed us for this very purpose, which is incredibly exciting. God designed us to be with Him forever, yeah. and to have our heart beat with His in yeah. fellowship with His. And He's given us and the I, Holy Spirit as yeah, the deposit to guarantee that that which future is, is also will come. a foretaste of you know what is to come, the intimacy that we have in them, and then. Uh, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has already come. Mm-hmm. In other words, what I'm eventually going to do, making all things new, has already started in us. Mm-hmm. He is making things new, beginning in us. And this is my uh, favorite you know, summary you know, of the gospel. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them god's work is restoring you know everything that we've lost you know to the ravage of sin by renewing us in a relationship with him mm-hmm. and that was his work in christ his work of reconciliation and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation mm-hmm. and you have to love paul the way paul closes this section he says we're ambassadors and then he implores the, the believers you know in um in Corinth, no, that's fine, isn't it? You know, it's like we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And I'm sure you know non-believers would hear this read as well. But I mean, you just yeah. you gotta love Paul's evangelistic pastoral. Yeah, part. while we're talking about the ministry of reconciliation, we implore you, <laughs> yeah. you know, to be reconciled. And and of course, this is a letter of reconciliation. You know, not just the initial work, you know, that God has done to bring us into the kingdom, but the restoring of relationships, the renewing of their affections. Mm-hmm. First of all you know, for Christ Jesus and then for each other as well. And then another beautiful expression of the gospel, God made him, who I I like the more literal translation, who knew no sin, was not even acquainted with sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. And what a privilege. Mm-hmm. We stand before him, not based on our righteousness, yeah. but on his. Mm-hmm. Matt, can you close us yeah. with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. We thank you for his work on our behalf um, that because we're united to him, um, his death is our death and his life is our life. And, and so, Father, help us to live in that reality. Thank you that we are your ambassadors where we live faithfully as your people today. And would you get glory from it? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.